everyone. Welcome to another episode of the D1 Only Podcast. My name is Eduardo Villalpando and we have a very special guest today, Tanner Smith. Welcome, Tanner. Hey, Eduardo. Thanks for having me. How's it going? All good. Tanner was an NCAA Division I student athlete at the University of Southern California. He graduated with a, a major a degree of real estate development. So congrats to you on that. And Appreciate that. Thank you. At USC, Tanner was ranked as high as number 34 in the nation in singles and 40 in doubles and already has won two pro titles, both in Cancun, Mexico. So congrats on a great college and pro career so far. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, so growing up in Southern California with your dad as the men's tennis team coach at USC, did you always know you wanted to be part of the Trojan family or as time went by, you decided like, okay, this is the part I want to pursue? Uh, yeah, no, I, I always knew I wanted to be part of the Trojan family, um, it, just mainly to play for my dad. Uh, it, was, it was a dream of mine since since I started playing tennis and, and he was the biggest inspiration for me and, and everyone else in my family. So that was you know there, there was pretty much no other option in my head i wanted to play for my dad yeah and how early the was that like the only school you were looking into or aside from usc you were like all right like if yeah. if san diego no, offers you know, me something i want to go there or something like that um early on in, in high school i was talking a little bit to some other uh coaches i was looking at maybe going to somewhere like usd or or going um ivy league um i was i was kind of smart in high school nothing crazy but you know i thought maybe i could use my tennis to go to a, a better school than i'd normally be able to go to um but i i never took other recruiting trips you know it was it was usc for me okay okay and i like you said that that you were really focused on academics and despite being focused on tennis in high school you still attended a regular high school and did not do homeschool like most of the players do you think correct Do you think that helped you stay on top of academics aside from athletics, or do you still think that tennis was significantly more important than school for you at that time? Um, in, in high school, I would say tennis and academics had an equal role. Um, I, I don't think I was more focused on one or the other. Um, and then in college, that actually shifted a little bit to, to focus more on tennis than the academics. You know, not that I, I still did decent in school, but tennis was definitely the thing I focused on the most in college, but I think there's something to be said about what tennis can do for you, you know, academically. You can get into a much better school than you'd probably get into otherwise, and it can open up a lot of doors for you to get a, a free education or even do something like, like my brother Riley's doing now where he's taking using a fifth year to get a, a free master's degree. I mean, that's that's incredible. Yeah, for sure. I actually like the, the players that go to a regular high school, of course, like for the ones that are like ranked high in the world in the ITF junior rankings, it's it's hard to go to a regular high school because they are traveling like every weekend or during the weeks to all these tournaments. But I like that. I like that the players that go to regular high school because they get like to live the best of both worlds. You know, they get to be like a regular high school student during the day. And then sometimes, of course, they practice in the afternoons, but Some some weekends they may travel to play tournaments. Some weekends they may stay and hang out with friends. So it's like living the best of both worlds. Would you agree? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. You know, there's two different paths you can take in juniors. You can play the ITFs like you were saying. You could even be playing futures and juniors. And and if you're doing that, then then regular high school doesn't really make sense. But I think there's a lot to be said about going to regular high school. You know, developing socially before you get to college, and um, And, and knowing that, hey, you know, my, my best years of tennis probably aren't when I'm 17, 18 years old. It's probably more like when I'm 24. So 
let's put the emphasis on playing tennis when I'm 24 and not when I'm 17. Yeah, for sure. And how early did you start the recruiting process before getting to USC? Just like getting your tests done, sending your transcripts to the NCAA and all of that? Yeah, uh, that started definitely, you know, I was let's, I was thinking about where I wanted to go to school as, as early as freshman year of, of high school. I think it's, I don't think you can start thinking about that too early. I don't think there's such a thing. Um, I think you got to be thinking about what do I want to study? What type of team environment do I want to be on? Um, and then in terms of all the NCAA regulations and testing, I think I took the SAT. I just took it once after my junior year of high school and, and then filled out the common app and everything whenever that was due. I actually don't remember um, putting too much, too much energy into that. But, um, you know, I, I don't think you can start thinking about that too early. I think it's a very important thing so you got to plan it out as early as possible yeah would you, so you wouldn't say it was like as stressful for you just that process yeah no it wasn't as stressful but I, i had a unique situation i know it's really stressful for for many people i mean it's a, it's probably the first life-changing decision you have to make in your life and and for a lot of people you're choosing to maybe move across the country or something like that um but for me it was a little more straightforward because i was going to school what what felt like in my backyard playing for my dad Yeah, for sure. And did you apply for, you You said that you were looking also into Ivy Leagues. Were you, did you also apply to those schools or did you always, were you always like, all right, I'm going to just apply to USC and just play there? But by the time I was in the application process, I had already decided on USC, uh, okay. but I was looking into, you know, the, the requirements I would have needed for the Ivy League schools and And my, I think I believe I got it. It was back when the SAT was out of twenty four hundred. I believe I got a nineteen hundred, so I probably wouldn't have had to retake the SAT. And and I was like, you know, I I know I'm not going to go there, so it's not worth it um, for me to you know put in all this effort. Yeah, for sure. And as soon as you got to USC, was it tough for you to balance athletics and academics? It was. If 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 all I had to worry about was athletics and academics, it it was not tough. Uh, but you know, when you're an 18 year old kid, you're you're going to these schools bright eyed, and and um, you're surrounded by a lot of fun parties and and beautiful women. So so that was probably <laughs> the tough thing for me to balance, if I'm being honest. Um, and I, I had a little bit of a wake up call my freshman year. You know, I'd always gotten good grades my whole life, and and next thing you know, it, you know, I got two C's my second semester freshman year, and and it was only because I was just focused on the wrong stuff and you know it wasn't anything major but it was it was a good lesson to learn that i had to adjust my priorities a little bit yeah and um, well let's talk tennis a bit because in high school you were your school's mvp in anaheim well, <laughs> was it tough transitioning to into usc where you were you were basically fighting for a spot in the lineup every week compared to <laughs> high school where you were like the man all the time oh ex extremely tough that's that's a really good point it was um Yeah, you go from being the hero. You know, a lot of a lot of people that play high school tennis. If you're going on to play college tennis, you're probably the best best player on your high school team. So, you go from everyone looking up to you to all of a sudden you're on the the bottom of the totem pole. And and exactly what you said, you're you're fighting every week for a spot. And and it's unbelievable how how tough that can be. You know, you you say to yourself in your head before you go, oh, it's you know I can I can overcome that. But but you know pretty much everyone that that is in the lower part of the lineup struggles with that at some point um there's there's a lot more pressure on your back knowing that if you lose a match you could be you could be losing your lineup spot 
Yeah, I think that's also the beauty of college tennis, though. The fact that all, despite you're fighting for a spot against your teammates, at the end of the day, you guys are pushing each other to make each other better, you know? So oh, yeah. it's the best oh, for your team. You're, you're totally right. There's there's good and bad there. And, you know, there's you can be destructive about it or you can be productive productive with it. And, and I'd like to think that I was productive with it. And, and the people that were in similar spots in the lineup as me, I think we all pushed each other um, to get better instead of you know getting down on one another yeah and what do you think of the college rules such as no let and no add scoring because multiple guys that I've interviewed that are big servers like yourself they kind of struggle with the no add scoring because it's easier to get broken so what do you think about that those rules yeah it goes both ways um It's easier to get broken, but you know, as a as someone who's maybe not as in as many return games as, as other players, it's also easier to break serve. Um, personally, I I always liked it. Uh, it. It took me a little bit of getting used to, but it was we got to play like that. I believe for my first fall it was no ad, so I was I was kind of ready to go. Um, and and you know, by the by my last two years, I'd, I'd say I felt really comfortable in, in the no ad format, and actually transitioning back to playing ad interestingly it was a different type of pressure that i struggled with because i was so used to the no ad yeah i actually got to talk to axel geller from stanford in the podcast and he yeah. was telling me like the same thing that whenever he transitioned into the pro tour like whenever he was like 15 40 or 30 40 down he didn't feel as pressure to make like a huge first serve because he was already used to it just by playing in college you know Yeah, no, for for sure. You're like, hey, you know, in college you're facing break points sometimes every three games. Whereas pro tour, if you're playing well, you're you're probably not facing nearly as many break points because all all a guy has to do is connect on on one or two returns, and you know maybe you play bad point and you could be facing a couple break points because of the no ad. Yeah, for sure, and it's especially like in if you don't go like all out on your serve, you and you start like love thirty down, it's it's tough, you know. You gotta you gotta step up, otherwise they're gonna break your serve, you know. For sure, for sure, you get you get in holes quicker because mentally, love thirty is a much bigger deal when you're facing no ad. I think. Yeah, and when you started your junior year at USC, is when Riley, your brother, came in as a freshman. Was there was there any difference for you like before he got to to SC versus once he got there? Not only tennis wise, but also socially and all that all that aspect. Um, we we actually we were kind of um, battling a little bit with one another in high school, so we we grew a lot closer in college as teammates, and I think a large part of that was just because we were in a, a really unique situation together, where we were the coach's son, uh, which you know comes with comes with difficulties that other players don't have to don't have to face so we were we were able to you know be uh i don't want to say allies because that makes us seem like it was us against other people but you know we were able to confide in one another and help one another with that yeah nice and i asked the same question to riley when i got him on the podcast but was it tough to create your own path at usc despite being in such a family environment like your brother is in the team your dad is a coach was it tough like to create your own path in that aspect oh for sure for sure it was um it's you know because you want to be looking out for yourself but at the same time in the in the back of your head maybe you're looking out for your brother and you're looking out for your dad so maybe it complicated things a little bit but um 
you know, there, it, it made it more difficult at times, but at the end of the day, I got probably one of the coolest experiences of my life playing for my dad, being on the team with my brother. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Um, do you think you matured as a player in college just because of how college tennis is and like basically whenever you fa it's like a deuce point and you lose a deuce point like you got opponents getting in your face when you're on the road the fans are screaming at you do you think you matured as a player in that aspect? For, for sure I, I matured um, because of that but I'd say even more because of coaching on court um, it, it's incredible how much you're able to learn with the with a coach um, like the coaches I had, you know, Dean Bellman, who's an incredible player, Chris Quinto is an incredible player, incredible coach, and, and my dad on court with me, they're, they're talking you through stuff and, and they kind of made my thought process a lot more rational. You know, sometimes you go into fight or flight scenarios in your head, you know, when you're facing these tough circumstances, but they're able to talk you off a, talk you off a cliff and say, hey, you know, this is, this is just tennis and give you some, perspective yeah especially i mean you're playing the pack 12 you're playing like quality opponents every week don't matter if you're like the number one player in the team or the sixth player like it's the it's quality matches every weekend so you gotta step up or yeah yeah you're you're, you're right there's there's a lot of good players in the pack 12 yeah and you were sidelined your junior year due to an injury and ended up having a fifth year of eligibility you basically had your best college years after returning. Would you say that made you mentally stronger? Yeah, it made me mentally stronger. And I think that was a, that was the decision I made on my part that, you know, not that I didn't focus on tennis freshman, sophomore year, I did, but I made a very conscious decision that, hey, I want to give tennis everything I have. And I, and I know that being at USC is a good opportunity. So I want to extend it for one year because I think that'll make me a much better tennis player. You know, a lot of, The guys improve a lot um, at USC, and so that's what I was what I was after, and I think it worked. Yeah, and the year that you redshirted, do you think that helped you to stay on top of academics a little bit more? Yeah, it, it definitely made academics easier. Um, not traveling in the spring um, and and in the fall, for that matter. Um, I, I think I, I yeah. Um, I, I never thought of that before, actually, but maybe that was the turning point academically for me, too, because I think I got better grades in my first two years that year, and I think it continued through my uh, last two years. Okay, okay. And what do you think of the Ojai tournament? I mean, for me, it's a special place just because I went to the Wild Tennis Academy, but you guys, I think, won a couple of Pac-12 championships there. So how were your experiences that one week of each season? Because, I mean, personally, I think it's like the the best tournament a player can ever play just like because of how big it is and how many things are happening like in one town at the same time so how was your experience at the Ojai? Yeah, no, Ojai is incredible you, you're, you're totally right Eduardo um, it's it's probably one of the coolest fan bases you have at a college match um, you know you, and, and it's the only other time other than NCAAs and indoors that you get to play a tournament format which is which is a lot of fun um, as a team to go through and you know you kind of get a build every day you know, if you're if you guys are playing well so that's a lot of fun um, it's a special tournament and they've had it for 100 something years yeah. um, so I'll I'll continue to play Ojai the men's open version just because I love being around that energy Yeah, plus I think it's one of the big biggest tournaments in the world in terms of participants just because like there's so many tournaments happening at the same time it's like the CIF, Men's Open, 
USTA like eight, 16s or whatever, the Pac-12 championships in men and women, junior colleges. Like it's crazy how many things are happening at Ojai that, that week of the year. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy and it's super cool. Yeah. Um, so Colter, the youngest of you three, just started his path at USC, but now without your dad as a coach. He ended up redshirting his first season yeah. too. Did you have any advices for him in that aspect of just being patient and waiting for his opportunity in the team? Yeah, no, he was um, he was in a much more similar position to me than Riley his first year. You know, both of us were kind of on the, uh, you know, coming off of an injury and maybe working on our game. Um, and surrounded by a lot of really good players so it's just a great opportunity to improve so so yeah I gave him a little bit of advice and, and you know he didn't need it He's he, he had a good first year and we actually got to play a, a tournament right before coronavirus hit together and um, and he's he's doing really well so I'm, I'm proud of him yeah I also remember he won like Nordridge like a level three before like as a junior so shout out to him he has a bright yeah. future too yeah Shout out to Coulter. Um, so last year you won two pro titles in doubles at Cancun, Mexico. How would you describe that experience? Because, I mean, you just basically you started playing pro tournaments and right off the bat you won two pro titles. So were you expecting that kind of success in doubles right as soon as you got into the pro tour? Or was it like a bit surprising for you? No, I mean, that wasn't too surprising. You know, I don't think the futures doubles level is crazy high. So I, you know, I'm very happy I won those titles. But I, I, I think that was within, within the, my realm of expectations. And, and I, I, to be honest, I'd, I'd, I'd hope for, for more even. Um, I, had a, I had a tough adjustment to pro tennis the first three months. It took me about three months to get a point. Uh, a singles point that is and and I was a little bit out of shape and just mentally overwhelmed you know instead of playing with a team all of a sudden you're playing on your own and you're worried about money every day and, and it was a big adjustment for me but um no it was it was awesome I got to win both the titles I won with college players one with George Goldoff and one with Reese Stalder and we had they're good guys we had a lot of fun together um so so I was I was stoked on that Yeah, what do you think of the weather in Cancun? It's tough, huh? Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> Eduardo, it's brutal. I got some videos I can send you of me full body cramping, having to retire from matches. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, my, I had probably the low point of my tennis career is I booked a trip for three weeks in Cancun. The first week I full body cramped and had to pull out the first round of qualies and I stayed there for an entire week training and then the second week I got heat stroke and felt like I was going to pass out on the court and, and won the first set and then got crushed and and that was before I'd ever gotten a point I was like geez you know this is maybe pro tennis isn't cut out for me but um, it's funny that was that was a turning point for me without me realizing it because that like me and embracing how terrible that was how how bad that was for me made me work harder and you know it just took that little bit of extra push for me to re get some success going yeah you talk about basically moving on from college to the pro tour where you basically have to book your own flights have to sort yourself like where you're gonna stay and everything else and when you're in college the university is doing that for you so how was that transition was it tough 
it was it was tough uh, for me. The the two biggest things to worry about were were money. Um, I didn't want to ask my parents for too much money, so I wanted to do as much as I could on my own. And and you quickly realize how expensive traveling the world is. And then the other thing was, you know, you don't have a support staff. I'm able to talk from my dad, talk to my dad from afar, but you're used to having three coaches, a trainer, and sometimes a mental coach traveling with you, which is which is crazy to all of a sudden you're traveling on your own and multiple layovers playing, qualifying, you know, making your own calls with no umpire, and there's not one soul in the world that's watching your match. So it was a, it was a huge adjustment. Yeah, it's tough, not easy. How many weeks were you in Cancun after those three weeks? Did you stay longer? Um, I, was, I was there for two weeks during that little bit and um and actually um and i left before the third week because i was like look i can't do this but um in one of those two weeks i forget which one i think it was the it was the first week was my first doubles title and that was the turning point for me where it's like all right you know i'm i'm not there physically yet in singles but i know i can hang with all these guys because i i won the doubles title with with george goldoff and and so I think there's a lot said about sticking it out in doubles when you don't do well in singles um, because there's there's a lot of guys that have success first in doubles and then mentally something clicks where you're like, hey, you know, I, I'm as good as these guys and, and then the singles results follow. Yeah. And you personally in college, did you prefer playing singles or doubles? I mean, of course, everyone wants to play both, but did you personally, what do you prefer? Yeah, um, you know, If I'm being honest, I'd probably prefer to play singles because you know you want to be the star of your own drama, really, and uh, and and win. You know, sometimes I'd like to win just me, but but I was probably more successful in doubles, and and part of that was because I had incredible doubles partners, um, mainly Daniel Kukerman, who I played with, and we we played really well together. He's a, he's a beast, so I was I was lucky to play with him, and, and he taught me a lot about tennis. Yeah, shout out to him. He was named All American this year with your brother. So shout out to them. Shout out to Kuki. He's a beast. Uh, <laughs> if, he's, if he's listening, I miss you, bro. <laughs> And knowing what you know now, what would you do differently if you were starting college again today? Um, tennis wise, I I do very very little differently. I'm I'm really happy with what I did tennis wise. I think I turned myself into a decent tennis player. And, And, um, but academically, I think I would have taken myself a little bit more seriously academically. I think it's super easy to get caught up in the athletic environment and, and forget, you know, what an incredible opportunity you have to learn. Um, and so, you know, real estate was a cool major, but it also wasn't a, wasn't a challenging major. And, and now that I'm out in the world and, you know, potentially looking at jobs coming up, I, part of me really wishes I had done something like graduate early and, and get a master's like like rather my brother's doing or just push it more maybe majored in um computer science or i i, I don't know i th i think i could have accomplished more academically okay uh, one last question before we get to the final segment and um, something we see parents worrying about is how the social component of college will affect their kids tennis as we were talking like at the beginning of the podcast What would you tell an 18-year-old going to college in regards to having fun without compromising their tennis or their academics? Um, I think the most important thing is that when you when you do have fun or, or go out, you, you do that with the team and you're not doing that, you know, too much outside of the team. I think once you're doing a lot outside of the team, that's probably when you're getting yourself into trouble. 
Um, but, you know, I, I genuinely think that if anyone wants to go to college to improve their tennis, I, I'm 100% positive they can do that just as well in college as anywhere else. Um, it, it's all about making it a priority for yourself, and, and that requires a little bit of social maturity that, um, that I think most 18-year-olds should have, really. I, you know, I, I don't think there's too many excuses for um, getting caught up in something you know, and saying, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm some victim of the the college system." I I think if you make tennis a priority, you're you're going to improve a lot. Yeah. Plus, at the end of the day, I mean, they are able to go out and still get their job done. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, that's that's part of the beauty of college is you learn to go out and have fun. And and some of my best mem memories of uh, of college are, are going out with teammates and and doing stupid stuff together and having a lot of fun and. Then the next day, you know, like doing our best to practice, but um, you, you just have to make sure that doesn't get to the point where it's regularly affecting your tennis. But I, I think it, it'd be a mistake to say, "Hey, I don't want to go out in college," because I think you're missing out on part of the experience. Yeah, for sure. And did it ever happen to you that you had a late night and then you have an early morning practice? Oh yeah, um, yeah, we yeah. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to give too much away over the uh, over the internet here. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, there there were some rough mornings, and and uh, I had a really really fun uh, freshman class uh, with Yen Sweeney, Henry G, and Dylan Holt, and and that happened to us sometimes where uh, yeah we had some rough morning practices, but we lived to tell the tale. Wait, and actually, I always wanted to know this. Like, I don't know if you have ever spoken about it with your dad but he realizes like do the do coaches realize when players yeah, I, get to practices I, I like mean, destroyed i mean yeah i mean come on these coaches aren't stupid you know they <laughs> they know and, and a lot of times they know when you're going out you know if the team has a good win on a saturday you know i don't think many people are going to be studying that night um so they get it and, and uh i i think I, I think for the most part, for most coaches in the country, it's probably a good thing if they know. You know, you don't have to be telling them details, but it's like, it, I, I think they'll get it. They understand the environment. And I, I think my dad was pretty good about that. Like, hey, we'd go out after a good win and, and we'd celebrate and and, um, and it was fun. Yeah. A player's coach. That's what everyone yeah, wants. But, yeah players coach yeah i think i think there's a good amount of players coaches in the pac-12 and, and there's a good amount of players coaches around the country so so that's that's cool for players yeah okay this is the last segment of the podcast is called the d15 so it's five rapid fire questions you can answer them as fast as you can okay bring it long beach or usc uh man long beach long beach is a cool town i don't i don't really like uh i don't really like the usc area Doubles with Riley or Coulter? Oh, jeez, Eduardo. Um, God, you know, I've had success with both of them. If I got to choose, I'd say Coulter. Coulter, I just had a really good result. Damn, Riley. <laughs> <laughs> favorite college memory? On or off favorite, the court? Favorite college memory? I'll make up for it. It's not even close. Uh, my senior day, my senior weekend, I got to play doubles with Riley both matches and We were losing our minds together, going crazy, and, and had a lot of fun. <laughs> Most listened artist at the moment? Most 
most listened artist at the moment. Oof. This one's a shout out to Brandon Holt. I uh, love Cat Stevens. He's a <laughs> he's an old artist from the seventies, I think. Okay. What other profession aside from tennis would you like to attempt? What other what other profession like? Uh, yeah, like it doesn't matter if it's like your dream job or is like whatever you actually want to do. Oh, I'd, I'd love to get involved in finance. Um, something in the stock market, you know, being a technical analyst or something like that. Um, I, I, I love markets, so definitely something in the stock market. All right. Perfect, Tanner. That's all I got for you today, man. Thank you so much for taking this time. This actually has been one of the funnest interviews I've had. So thank you, man. Thanks also for keeping it 100. You know, a lot of players, like, they, like, try to respond, like, so professionally and not the actual answer. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, hopefully, hopefully I kept it real. For sure, this was more fun than having Riley on the podcast, so I'll remember that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you, Tanner, and thanks to all the fans for tuning in to another D1-only episode, and see you guys next time. Thanks, guys.